Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 121 of the CU Insight Experience. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Q's, the leading talent development provider to the credit union industry, and I must say, longtime friends of ours here at CUinsight.com. So, after listening to this episode, head on over and check out the Q's podcast also on cumanagement.com. It is great content from thought leaders inside and outside of credit unions. Uh, I'll tell you, it is one that you don't want to miss. My name is Randy Smith. I'm one of the co-founders of cuinsight.com, and I'm lucky enough to have conversations with the amazing people who make credit unions great, and I get to bring them to you. I pick their brains and see if we can't find a few nuggets that we can all learn from. My guest on today's show is Greg Mitchell. Greg is the president and CEO of First Tech Federal Credit Union out in Oregon. Greg is uh, an interesting guy to talk to when your members are made up of the people who work at many of the largest technology companies on earth. I'm, I'm sure there's a certain expectation that you're Credit Union stays innovative, too. Uh, my guess is they have a certain uh, expectation of service that they expect. And I, I will say that over the years, First Tech has led the way there. So we talked a lot about strategic innovation and keeping purpose constant to make that material difference in both the lives of your members and his team at First Tech. Greg shared some great leadership lessons that he's picked up in, in his career journey. I appreciated his willingness to share, sharing even some of those struggles along the way. And, and I will tell you that after we were done recording, he had to jump on a, a panel or he was jumping on a panel to speak with young leaders in the credit union movement throughout the, the Pacific Northwest. So just a great guy to talk to and, and his willingness to share was pretty awesome. Of course, we wrapped it all up with the rapid fire questions. I, I enjoyed this conversation. It was a, a first for me with Greg, but hopefully not the last. So without further ado, I give you my conversation with Greg Mitchell and Enjoy. Greg, welcome to the show. Great to be here with you today. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, me too. There were so many directions I felt we could go. I was doing a little homework before our conversation. And one of the reoccurring themes I noticed was the idea of making a material difference in the lives of others. Like, what does that mean to you? And I would say both day to day, but also for the other leaders out there when you're thinking strategically for the credit union. Yeah, I think it means uh, really, to me, it's everything. And it becomes uh, a center point for this cycle of uh, goodness. We call it this uh, virtuous cycle of goodness, where team members come to work generally with a desire to help. If you look at most credit union professionals, they're in this business because they want to help members, they want to help people in the community, and they want to live a fulfilled life. So we align that with members who really want to connect, whether it be digitally, uh, over the phone, in branches, wherever it is, with somebody who really cares about them in a very genuine and real way. So we're aligning the desire and need of team members to make a difference in the lives of members and others with members who are really wanting to connect with people that are good and really elevating the spirit of the team member by going beyond just member service and getting involved in the communities. So that what happens for us is, you know, we have this engaged workforce of team members who are here to make a difference. We have members that are craving that, getting the benefit of that, realizing value in that and appreciating that through a deepened relationship with the credit union. 
So our team members feel great about that. And then their spirits are elevated further by getting involved in the communities. You know, we have 35,000 hours a year of volunteerism coming out of First Tech. That's fantastic. So that team members feel like, wow, you know, I'm doing something at work. I'm being recognized and appreciated by my coworkers. I'm, I'm giving of my heart, my time and talent in the community. And we elevate the spirit of our team members. We elevate our communities and we elevate the spirit of members. And if you look at demographic changes, people today, you know, want to connect with people who get it, who care, who are genuine and who are engaged. So it, it's true to the values of a credit union as a cooperative of members coming together. It's true to the interest of the human, the employee, right, and right. it's true to the interest of members. And at the end of the day, it makes a big, big difference in the lives of you know tens of thousands of people. Absolutely. That's really cool. It, it reminds me, I was having a conversation recently with Juji Island from the foundation, and she was talking about meeting people where they are, right? And that, to me, is... It, when I was listening to you, I'm like, it's, it sounds like that's what your team does. You're, uh, when you mentioned demographic changes and you know different communities, there's different needs. So a place that I was excited to ask you about, when I hear first tech, Stephen, in your name, uh, you know, tech, I think about innovation in our space. So a couple different questions on this, because we've seen a ton of innovation inside credit unions, as well as all around us. <laughs> so was the idea of innovation, that kind of pushing things forward, something that was always important to you, even when you came to First Tech? And you know, how has that served members, especially over the past few years, right? Like where we've had to move to a much more virtual experience at times. Yeah, I think pressing innovation comes from our heritage, you know, having the privilege of serving initially the employees of Tektronix and HP more than 60 years ago when those companies started and now having Amazon and Microsoft and Cisco and, and uh, so many others. You know, tech is uh, a core part of their DNA. And to respond to their demands, you know, we've needed to be innovative and relevant uh, on an ongoing basis. But earlier on, you know, First Tech, uh, believe it or not, as a credit union, was the first financial institution in the United States to offer online banking. So it caused uh, some big corporate players to see you know, credit unions as innovative and caused them to deepen their relationship with our organization and ultimately allowed us to win. And now it means, from a first tech perspective, how do we continue to remain relevant in the eyes of our members, giving them the types of solutions they need uh, to lead their lives? And while we're not uh, leading edge and don't aspire to be leading edge, you know, we are able to deliver the types of solutions that our members need when, where, and how they want to consume them. That's such an interesting thing because your membership is – literally the leading edge of it what they're doing a lot of the times day to day so yeah, you probably have to be a pretty fast adopter just to meet their expectations yeah you have to be a fast adopter but sometimes credit unions and others become overwhelmed by thinking consumers are wanting more than they really are at the okay. end of the day consumers want a online and mobile banking platform that allows them to deposit a check you know, to withdraw money, to move funds and do things that are basic. You know, it doesn't need to give you a back rub and uh, pat your head at the same time. So <laughs> part of what we, we try to do is be selective on where we go so that we're able to sort of get the job done uh, for our members without traumatizing them with a level of innovation and change that's uh, hard to consume. So do you internally, and this is completely a scratch my own itch question now, do you internally, or do you or your and your team have a process that you go through to vet out and say, okay, you know what? Nope. 
we can let Amazon do the grocery delivery. We don't need to add that through our app or something. But like to figure out what you're seeing out there is relevant and fits into the service that you're trying to deliver and others that you're like, that's just not in our wheelhouse. It is. We try to do a fair amount of primary research to understand, you know, what is it the members really want? Where can we excel? And we recognize that even though we're of scale with about $15 billion in assets, we're still very small relative to most companies. So we've chosen to adopt a strategy of integrating, you know, through APIs, cool technologies that we can bolt onto our online and mobile banking platform or our Omni account uh, activation and, and, and online enrollment activities. So it allows us to be relevant to innovate, but innovate as a collaborator as opposed to a, a pure a technology creator. The the idea of collaboration with technology, I just I think if even CU Insight 13 years ago, we had to pretty much build everything to do this digital website experience. Now we plug everything in it's, uh, <laughs> and we can change things very much on the fly once you do a little bit of research, right? So it, it's a... Uh, it's uh, like you've returned to that box of Legos. It's exactly... I love that analogy. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> what has you most excited looking forward next three to five years? Yeah, I'm really excited about the, the next uh, 10 to 15 years. So there's going to be a level of, of change and transformation. I think COVID created many, many challenges, but it also created a number of gifts uh, yeah, for yeah. financial institutions. It accelerated the digital adoption and really rewarded those uh, enterprises that uh, invested early and created a great experience for consumers. And I think one of the things that uh, excites me is the way our members responded and the way our team members responded and uh, how that positioned us for the future. The future is bright and there's a a pretty solid alignment of this connection of, of technology and heart, which is really what the American consumer is looking for is a place that can give me the the things that I need digitally, but also uh, a person who really connects with me, has deep insights on product and services, and can meet me on a personal level as well as a, as a digital level to help me lead a more successful financial life. And I think credit unions are uniquely well-positioned uh, to do that. Absolutely. This is a question I've been asking quite a bit this year. And you won one of the largest credit unions out there. There's always a fire to put out, I'm sure. (laughs) So any hacks, I guess, for the listeners out there on how you make sure to still have that space to think strategically? I think so much, it seemed like, let's say a year ago, a year and a half ago, we heard people saying, well, you just had to scrap your strategic plan and get through COVID. But at some point, we all had to start thinking forward. So anything that you do to to make sure that you're really have that time and that space to have the strategic outlook? I think for me, a little bit of the time and space is on walks or it's in my workshop as I'm, uh, I'm building furniture. It's just a place of calm where I can uh, apply different skills, engineer and yeah, measure thrice and cut once. <laughs> and uh, it just creates an opportunity to disrupt the normal reaction of the way we think. And, and go into a different space. So what do you, what kind of furniture? I've built a bunch of things over the last uh, year since COVID came in. It's, <laughs> it's allowed me to return to lots of stuff. So I've done uh, cedar chests, some outdoor furniture, some new living room furniture. 
Right now, I'm in the middle of a couple of uh, Adirondack chairs made out of Oregon white oak. Yeah. Wow. Now, is this something that you've done your entire life or something you picked up later on? It's something I did many, many years ago with my dad and sort of stopped as I was progressing my career as a result of COVID and uh, shorter commutes. It's given me time to uh, spend a little time to reconnect with the wood. That's very cool. Yeah. We're, all of us are not on the road like we were as much. That's for sure. So. So I'm a big believer in the idea that like who we surround ourselves, those people we choose to keep around us, help shape who we are. Who does Greg surround himself with and how have they helped you in your career journey? Yeah, I think my team here at First Tech has really been uh, helpful. Some of the leaders, uh, the team members, our board members here are really uh, you know, fabulous individuals. Yeah, they're strong corporate leaders and innovators in their own right. So they provide a fair amount of really good uh Advice and counsel. I learn a great deal from my wife, who keeps me uh, uh, humble and grounded in many ways. And uh, certainly, you know, try to engage with other credit union CEOs uh, of all levels. Uh, tonight, I'll spend some time with uh, a bunch of young credit union professionals throughout uh, the Northwest who are meeting with CEOs to understand what they can do to advance their career. I'll learn a lot from that group. <laughs> right. You'll learn as much as they probably are learning from you. It's a, no, that's a, that's a cool thing to be doing. Uh, is that through the league or that's something? It's uh, young credit union professionals up here in the, in the Northwest. They annually host a, a round table of CEOs uh, chatting with, with young professionals. That's fantastic. I, it was one of the reasons now almost three years ago that I started the podcast was the idea that I felt lucky that I got to go to a bunch of conferences and talk to guys like you and pick your brain. And so the idea of like having those conversations and sharing them with others, so many smart people out there, right? Yeah. I love that. I love that you're doing that. You mentioned it earlier, the credit unions, they're a different financial institution. It's easy to find purpose, right? Like in the credit union space, how do you make sure that you're still saying purpose driven for yourself personally, but then also making sure that the organization as it's growing large organization is, you know, still staying kind of towards its North star purpose as well. I think uh, on a, on a personal level, many people that know me, you know, know that I grew up in a, in a, a pretty low income family and I'm blessed on many ways from where I came from. So I have this heart full of gratitude uh, for people who have been there to support me and support others in the community. So it's chosen me to, uh, you know, choose, choose to, to live a life where, where my purpose is about elevating people to levels of excellence beyond what they dreamed possible. Because I've, uh, seen life at many levels and I know what's possible. I think what holds a number of people back is the power of their potential. So. You know, I try to help them identify that and realize it in life. And what aligns for me within the credit union movement and our team members is really how do I help the 1,500 team members within our family realize their full potential and through that help them assist 680,000 members throughout our footprint in the world as they realize their potential. It allows me to sort of stay true to self, be genuine uh, in every way I can be. And, you know, hopefully share some thoughts or experiences and, and maybe even a little bit of intellect that might make the world a better place. Do you think, like you said, your upbringing and where you came from and where you've 
the success that you've had, does that allow you to be more empathetic to say some of the members that may be struggling, you know, and make sure that we're focusing not just on the maybe the most profitable folks all the time? Yeah, it's been hugely beneficial. You know, my parents uh, were members of a credit union and, and routinely because we were concerned about whether the lights would stay on, would have to call the credit union and get a signature secured loan. And and I remember those things uh, as a kid and said, you know, wow, how, how can I be there to help people who are struggling and understand that? And at employee levels across the organization, sort of understanding, you know, what it's like to be early in your career or later right. in your career and, and sort of connect uh, on a more personal level. You know, fortunate enough to be able to to talk to just about every employee here at First Tech on their birthday. So I, I make a point of calling everybody and just sort of connecting to see how you're doing and and what can I do to help you continue to to grow and be your best self. So I learn a lot from that, and it allows me to to sort of connect in a on a personal level within a large organization. Yeah, that's that's, that's impressive with that many employees. <laughs> the gift goes to me. I am blessed by those conversations. Yeah, awesome. Very cool. Uh, big picture question, blimp level. Is there something that you believe credit unions need to do better, you know, stay relevant going forward? Yeah, I think part of what we need to do is believe in ourselves and be be bolder and more confident. I think sometimes we get caught up in, you know, fear, the level of disruption from from fintechs, from embedded tech firms, from big tech, from larger banks, changes in consumer behavior, difficulties in hiring employees. There's lots of things that can cause people to say, hey, this is overwhelming. I can't do it. I'm just going to sort of stick to my knitting and and hope that this goes away. I think uh, credit unions of all sides can do a better job of sort of feeling the fear, acknowledging what's going on out there, and and becoming bold. Because uh, whether you're $40 million in assets or $15 billion in assets, you have the ability to deliver transformational experiences to the consumer, to the member. Size does not matter. What matters is what what you believe uh, you can do. So believe. I just was making a note. I think I know the the title of this episode. So that was, that was good right there. <laughs> I'd like to move on to your career journey. Uh, do you remember that moment when I was kind of looking at your bio? You looked like you started more on the banking side of things and came over to the credit union side. But do you remember that time where you were like, credit unions, this is where I want to be? Yeah, it wasn't intentional. I was recruited away from a commercial bank environment, but because I've been a member of a credit union since I was 17 when I was in the Coast Guard, I was familiar with it. And my wife was a branch manager and a loan officer within a credit union uh, before we were married. So I was sort of exposed to the culture then. And uh, when uh, the recruiters were knocking on the door, I thought, you know, this could be an opportunity to be my best self by uh, using the credit union charter and the long-term focus of uh, sort of strategic planning, not necessarily worried about quarterly results, but worried about long-term benefits, my desire to make a difference in the communities, and really leverage, again, my identity with the, with the purpose of a charter and do something cool. So that caused me to say, hey, credit unions really work well. And again, knowing the type of board that we had it here at First Tech and how supportive they were, it was pretty easy for me to say yes. So what was the inspiration to take the gig as president and CEO of First Tech? And how over the years has that inspiration, has or has the inspiration changed at all? Yeah, I think the inspiration to take the job was really the board and the quality of the board. 
and knowing the seg base uh, that we had here at First Tech. Amazon was growing. It's continued to grow. Microsoft, HP, and others. So, you know, there's a, a, a pretty strong and uniquely captive market that's available to, to First Tech. So things lined up, you know, great board, great market opportunity, great people, some scale, and we can do some great things. So over the last few years, we've had some fun uh, growing the organization, generating some strong earnings, giving back to the community. And I'm so grateful to all the people within this organization and the board to make that happen. I just drive the drive the boat. Other people are doing the work. <laughs> Love it. Is there something your team has heard you say so many times that can finish your sentence? Every team member at First Tech could follow the sentence of the best is yet to come. Yeah, they hear that as I sign off on uh, all of my correspondence. I, I write things uh, with, with the best is yet to come because tomorrow is always bright. With the things that we do today, the best is is yet to come. Uh, a glass half full guy, I take it. So. <laughs> Three quarters to seven eighths full. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> is there a myth about being a great leader that if you never heard it again, you just think it's dead wrong? You wish you'd never heard it again. You know. I don't know. I mean, there's some folks that think to to be a great leader or to run a, a mid sized company, you, you need to have the the right pedigree and the right degree, and you know, those are just falsehoods. Uh, what what I think you need to be. Uh, a good leader is a, a genuine heart, uh, a desire to help other people, and a desire to serve. And I think if you look at the best leaders through time, you know, presidents, business owners, uh, others, it's really folks who are humble and who really want to, to serve and, and help other people uh, grow and prosper. We talked about it earlier, building furniture outside of credit unions. What does Greg do to recharge? And, and what does that work-life integration look like to you? Yeah, since again, since COVID, it's a little bit different. Pre-COVID, it was, uh, you know, a lot of travel, a lot of time at airports, pretty long days and, and long commutes. And I think as we get through COVID, some, some of that will return, although our business model has changed and I think the level of travel uh, will be uh, a bit different, uh, even in a, in a post-COVID world. But now it's, you know, try to get home, carve out some time on the weekend to uh, take a long hike or uh, spend some time in the shop. Do a fair amount of reading and learning just to uh, relax and, and keep the, the saw sharpened intellectually. Now, I'm more excited about a question that's going to be coming up here soon. So <laughs> wouldn't be the See You Inside Experience podcast without a few rapid fire questions. So the questions are rapid. Your answers don't have to be. Is there something along the line, whether life or your career, where you've said no to it? Maybe you had a decision to make and you said no. But in hindsight, looking back, you're like, I'm sure glad I, I did say no to that. There have been many times where I've said no. I think in, in the commercial banking arena, when pressed to join the market in the subprime space and to start to originate more, more mortgages and, and where we, we knew it was wrong, it was absolutely right to say no. And I'm really glad I said no uh, for a whole lot of reasons. I think uh, some of the best answered prayers are, are, are no answer. Uh, the, the unanswered, right? Yeah. So is that something you've, as you look back earlier in your career, 
did you always have the ability to, you know, make that call that felt right with your gut? Is it something that you had got more confidence as you grew? You're like, after this, you're going to be speaking to young folks, right? Who are earlier in their careers. I didn't always have the confidence to say no, because like many other leaders, particularly those that have come up the way that, that I did, I think you find that many leaders at their core sometimes feel that they're a fraud and that it's going to be discovered that they don't have all the answers and uh, they're, they're scared like everyone else. And that's just the truth that most leaders feel that way. And I, you know, I went through some leadership training programs many years ago and uh, got some assessments from people and learned some things that caused me to believe that I wasn't a fraud and that, and that what I was doing was, was right. And that, uh, um, you know, my purpose was true. So it allowed me to be more confident in making decisions that are sort of true to my North Star, which tends to be uh, a values-based uh, North Star. So let me ask you this, because you you coming up just from what, you know, this conversation, what I'm, I'm getting, and I feel similar about myself as well. My guess is, is early on in your career, you were probably somebody who got a lot done. So like pre being a manager or leader or CEO, you were an employee of someone else and you probably were something. When you made that transition over, I know that's a place that sometimes I remember talking to a friend who was a recruiter once and they were talking about like the toughest thing to know if somebody can do is be the head coach. Like they could be a great assistant coach, but can they be the head coach, right? When you had to start, if you want to say, leaning on your team to be in a bigger organization, was that an easy transition for you? It was a hard transition because particularly when I was doing that, you know, I wasn't as confident as I am today. I was that guy who was sort of feeling like a fraud. Am I, am I right? Am I giving the right guidance? Because it's having real consequence. Uh, your, your decisions are having real consequence on the lives of other folks. So it was hard uh, to be in a position where you're questioning, but needing to make some of those uh, difficult decisions. I think what's helped me a lot as well is I had the privilege of serving for 24 years in the Coast Guard and uh, dealt with things and made decisions that had a real consequence and sort of have a history of what happened in those uh, circumstances to fall back on and, and give me a little bit of perspective against some of the things that I face today. Well, thank you for your service as a, uh, a scuba diver. I hope to never see the Coast Guard. So that probably means something's going wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> has there been a recent purchase that you made that you didn't know you need, but now you're like, couldn't live without it? I know over COVID, a lot of people bought Pelotons and puppies, it seems like. so. <laughs> I bought a drill press recently. never thought I'd need a drill press, but it's become very helpful. Your favorite new toy, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was Greg like in high school? Any memorable trouble that you're willing to share? No memorable trouble. Pretty introverted guy. You know, was not uh, was not a college bound person. Sort of an average student, but uh, involved in scouts and Malay and a bunch of other uh, external activities. And uh, pretty, uh, I'd characterize as unimpressive high school guy. Do you still consider yourself an introvert? I still consider myself an introvert. I score on an introvert scale. I can be. Uh, outbound and extroverted, but I like my quiet. You uh, you join a long list. I am also the same way. So if I'm on, then I need time off. So <laughs> there was a guy years ago, I was listening to a podcast and he seemed like an extremely outgoing guy. And he said he's uh, 
introvert that plays an extrovert on TV, basically, right? And I was like, I get that completely. So <laughs> you, you mentioned reading to wind down. What are you reading currently? And is there that book that you've either gifted or you just think everybody should read? Gosh, there's so many books. I just finished reading at the encouragement of some of my team members, uh, Boys on the Boat, which was great. Very helpful. And I actually used some of the teachings from that book in um, a leadership meeting earlier this week uh, about swing and finding that place where really everyone's uh, rowing together in alignment and they uh, you know, create this level of cohesion on the team where, where great things happen. So use that. World's Greatest Salesman by Ogmandino, really powerful book. It can be transformational in your life. Uh, yeah. It requires us uh, a little bit of work. Uh, other books that I use a lot in uh, in conversations with team members are the Four Agreements to help people uh, have better relationships at work and better relationships in their in their family lives. So I use use that book quite a lot. Adding to the book reading list. I love it. So the random question, what's that greatest album of all time? The one you can listen to from front to back still. Gee, it's been a long time since I've listened to an album. Absolutely. And we don't do it anymore, right? Yeah. Maybe Eagles greatest hits. That one's been mentioned often on this show to tell you the truth. Has it been? Absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes I talk about investments that are like uh, the Hotel California. You can uh, always check in, but you can never check you out. So you've got to be... Uh, be careful. <laughs> I love it. There, there's a question that I don't send in advance. When you hear the word success, who is the first person that comes to mind and why? Uh, for me, it's spiritual. It's Jesus Christ as a success person because it's a person of uh, you know humble origins and, and beginning who w- was able to bring together a bunch of people uh, and a lot of miracles to do some pretty transformational things around the world that were purpose-driven. Thank you, Greg, for being on the show. I greatly appreciate you taking the time. This has been a lot of fun for me. The last question I have for you is, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share or asks of our listeners? No, I just encourage folks to really believe in themselves and their potential. As human beings, particularly humans facing the challenges that we face today, we can either become you know, overwhelmed and defeated, or in some cases, a leaf being blown about by the winds of change. Or we can choose to reconnect with that seven or eight-year-old or nine-year-old boy or girl within us who believed that all things were possible and really ran like the wind and believed that they were the wind. And I challenge uh, everybody to say, hey, where am I? What happened to that seven or eight or nine-year-old boy or girl? And how do I reconnect with that? Because I really am the wind and I have the ability as an individual to transform myself from that leaf back to the wind. So what does it take to do that? And uh, challenge yourself to become the wind and amazing things will happen. That is the perfect way to wrap up. Thank you again. We will link to everything we talked about in the show notes, the books and everything else. Uh, if people have more questions of you, what's what's your poison? Email, uh, LinkedIn, <laughs> Twitter? <laughs> it's, it's okay to reach me uh, by email. It's greg.mitchell at firsttechfed.com. And uh encourage people to to reach out that is fantastic i appreciate it sir thanks for uh having this conversation i hope you have a good rest of your day and and stay well my friend thank you very much and thanks for uh, hosting us today before we go i would like to thank all of you 
for listening today. Thank you for allowing us to have this much fun doing what we do. And once again, a big thank you to Greg for being on the show and sharing those lessons learned uh, you know, over the course of his career with all of us. And finally, a big thank you to our sponsor, Cues. As I mentioned to start the show, make sure to subscribe to their podcast over on cumanagement.com. It is one of my favorites and a, one that I try not to miss. How about that? A couple more things. When you're in the subscribing mood, don't forget to subscribe to this one, the CU Insight Experience podcast on your favorite player, Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, you name it. We're there. And check out the CU Insight Experience podcast book list to, to find your next great read. Greg threw out a, a few that I'll be interested in today. Thank you all again for listening. I hope you have a great day and be well, friends.